0: This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismatia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of MC Fire Side Chat with our fancy new amazing intro that we have produced by Silence than Me. I'm kidding. It was just <laughs> a voiceover. Someone did. But I did put it all together. Like, I've still got some of my editing skills uh, available there. So, uh, we're super excited to have another show uh, for you guys lined up here today. We've got Mr. Randy Hendricks, I'm going to introduce him in a second, on. Uh, and you can be like, we, we actually, like I built fire for you guys, like it's a fireside chat. And we've gone since, what is it? Like April of 2020 without an campfire. <laughs> uh, so it was time for you guys to do that. So uh, super excited to be up here in Canada. This is actually great, like a 7.3 million people. And I'm on the river in a four minute walk to downtown. So anyone who wow. wants to move to Canada and join me, like it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, but anyway, so super excited to have Randy Henderson on the show today. Uh, founder and CEO of United Park Workers, among his latest venture of 20,000 things that Mr. Henderson has done over the years to participate in our industry. And so we're going to talk about a little bit about building your team today. And, and, and traditionally, I think that, and we'll go much more in depth into this, So traditionally when you talk about building your team, a lot of people think that it's just employees that you hire to run your right. day or work campers that come into your park and all those kinds of things. But I think what we really—this is—I'm a big believer of this already. Prior to having Randy on the show with my own company, everything that could be success of your business—from the time that you put that shovel on the ground, or you hire the contractor, or you're working with the permitting teams, or you're hiring people to lobby government, or whatever—is uh, is all part of your team all the way through to the time where you retire or you start or whatever you do. So, um, super excited! I'm gonna let him introduce himself in a second, but as always. We are multiple uh, different Facebook channels. If you have a comment, uh, leave it on the chat. in one of the Facebook pages, we can bring you on, ask Randy, interact with all that kind of stuff. Super excited to have Dara here, uh, the editor of Modern Campground. And then Kara, Kara's here. She is I here, made <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I author! made it. You made it. <laughs> I made it. I, I apologize, you to guys. Info, Kara. That's the most exciting part of the whole show. <laughs> I know, I
0: apologize. I had- nothing but tech issues. I've been running like a chicken with my head cut off all morning. <laughs> nothing would work for me, but I'm here now. I'm only, you know, a couple hey, minutes late. Apologies. Yay, yay. Apologies. <laughs> Hi, gentlemen. Happy to see you
1: all. Hey, hey, Kira. All right. What's the matter for yourself.
2: Sure, why not? uh thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. And Daryl, I'm gonna say it once again, buddy, I really want to trade hats
3: with you. <laughs> well, I, so, I tip I my t- head. <laughs> we can I don't know, I like next time we see each other, we'll trade.
2: <laughs> yours is cool, man.
3: I want yours. <laughs> <clears throat>
2: we'll trade. That's good. Um yeah, my name is Randy Hendrickson. I've been around the industry since the earth first first cooled, um, first plant life appeared, so I guess 20, <laughs> 27 years or something like that. Um, it, you know, It's an industry I've just been passionate about from day one. I got into the business quite by accident. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, this industry has been nothing but good to me, They're phenomenal, and I've had the great fortune of forming Horizon Outdoor Hospitality Group about 18 years ago, which is now owned by the legendary and epic Mr. Scott Foose. Although he'll never take a bow for his greatness, I'm here to grow we wanted him out.
1: to have you know. on the show today, by the way. What's yeah. that? <laughs> playing really hard, much harder than we are, obviously.
3: He's a busy guy. Uh,
1: a great time to the show, but.
2: Well, Scott, Scott's a busy guy, but he's worth the wait. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll
1: get We're hoping to have him part of a show in the future, so we're super excited for that. But go ahead, Randy. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, he needs he needs to be. There's no doubt about that. But. Yeah, you know, you know, that's kind of a lot of the genesis of the whole team concept we want to talk about today centers around what we were able to do with Horizon Outdoors and also with United Park Brokers now. But the same precepts apply kind of across the board to anybody in the outdoor hospitality industry, the whole concept of team. It's been around forever, but what does that mean in practical application? You know, we wanted to talk about some of that today. But the current company is United Park Brokers. We're very excited to be doing off-market opportunities. Primarily, well, 99% of everything we do is off-market. We just recently closed a $22 million sale. That was a nice one to get in the the, the bank, which is uh, good for everybody, buyer, seller, and all concerned. So you know, we just keep plugging along. We we kind of do things the old-fashioned way. We the handshakes matter. Your word is your is your bond, and you do things the good old-fashioned way. We ch- certainly could have grown faster, bigger, and done probably a lot more things than we have. But I'm still naive enough to believe the golden rule applies, and there's a, there's a way to do business uh, ethically, honorably, and still do great things and have a lot of fun doing it. So I, I'm very blessed to have been in the industry for 27 years and counting. Wow,
1: fantastic! Yeah, we're certainly like. I mean, again, I've crossed paths multiple different times. Randy, we've been here for 12 years or so. Um, Rookie. Uh, definitely. I mean, arguably, I've only contributed for about three months total of that 12 years, but we're uh, yeah. uh, on expanding a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so let's talk about this build team concept, right? Yeah. Um, first, I think maybe we, let's start with the traditional. As you come across the dozens of park owners that you work with, Rain, what is the traditional definition of team for you? And then let's expand that and change people's perception of it.
2: You know, you hear the word team bandied around quite a bit. And it, it, after a while, it kind of loses its luster and it becomes sort of an ambiguous concept. You think of team as a collective of people, but it's really so much more than that, right? I mean, if you're going to develop a park or if you're going to buy a park, if you own a park and care, you know this so well. I mean, as a, as a former camp operator, someone's got to have the vision and that person's at the, the, the top of the spear, basically, right? But that vision misapplication equals vision. Right. I mean, do the math. So if you can't apply the vision, you never get anywhere. So what you have to do is leverage yourself to other people who share your vision, your ethics, your goals and value them completely as individuals within a team construct. And what I mean by that is um, with my former company, with my current company, name tags and titles get stripped away when we get around to talking because if the person at the top of the pyramid is not listening to what their team members are saying and contributing, you're turning a deaf ear to momentum, progress, fine tuning your processes, everything. Sometimes the best information an owner can get is from the people who are in the trenches, checking people in, unplugging a sewer line, what can we do better? And you you throw away all egos and everything in the interest of making those people feel empowered and part of a decision process. Just one step further, if by May, you know, in this now, everybody is competing to find talent, right? I mean, it's a very, it's a hard market right now to find good people. Right. Well, if you're off 10 bucks an hour and somebody else is offering somebody 10 bucks an hour, isn't a great value add to be able to tell that person, well, yeah, dollars are dollars, 10 bucks is 10 bucks, But we'd like you to be a part of a culture that we've created here of a mission to provide excellent service, to value our guests, to be involved in our decision process, take authorship and ownership of the direction of the business. When you've done that, you're able to recruit better people and you build a team of mutual respect among your coworkers, all aligned on the common goal. And that, quite frankly, my greatest joys in this industry has been in Being blessed to have some of the best talent in the world, but knowing that I learn from them each and every single day, so vital. You never stop learning. But when you can find a collection of people like that focused on a common goal, guess what? Your idea or your vision just became in firm focus towards a tangible end result.
0: Well, Well, and I think, sorry, Brian, apologies. I was just going to say, I think it's incredibly valuable what Randy's saying specifically about empowering your team to contribute to your vision because your vision might be something now but a year from now or two years now from now or 10 years from now it's going to shift and alter and grow with with the fundamental uh business model and and all of the things you do every day so those frontline folks those guys at the front desk and and the folks working with the kids groups and doing your entertainment all that stuff contributes to growing and and shifting that vision over time and i absolutely believe it uh it is an employment benefit to a lot of people to get that uh kind of rewarded um feeling that they've contributed to to the overall success of your community that you create within your business
1: i mean there are so many things out here right i mean we're going to tackle them one by one here but for me just being a business owner right obviously i don't own a campground uh, but the same kind of principles apply to me when I'm looking for different people. If you look at a at, at campground specifically, at what we were talking about with employees and Randy's brought up and you brought up, Kara, um, these are your ears to the ground. Like, there's just, there's, a, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm never owned a campground, but there's a, a mindset maybe among not just campgrounders but business owners in general that you have to have, have a tangible what is actually making me money. And so that is the site rentals that, or you know, the, the camp rentals or the Items in store, the extra cost it might play to play miniature golf or whatever else like that, and those things are very correlated in your bottom line and your account. And say that these are things I need to focus on because they clearly lead to profit, to more revenue, to more happy guests, to whatever. Uh, but when you're talking about the image of those people on the ground, you're impacting bottom line just not in a tangible way. And so if you start to refocus and think about that from two different perspectives, obviously from guest satisfaction perspective of these are the people who are talking to them and it's their tone of voice and are they happy when they come to work and how do they look and what are they wearing and what's their attitude like and how quickly are they moving and are they walking or running or all those kinds of things contribute sure to perception which lead to maybe they want to stay an extra night, they buy something extra in the store, maybe they tell their well, friends that their friends come candy. go ahead. Yeah.
0: I was just gonna say, sorry Brian, I, I no. agree. I think it's, it's part of the reason that the businesses in this industry are incredibly difficult to value because so much of what a certain owner brings to a business model or a certain team member brings to a business model creates success for that business that isn't measurable and or or I shouldn't say isn't, but it's dif- more difficult to measure in dollars and cents, which is what we look at for when we're valuing putting valuations on a lot of these these operations but then also just um the the you could argue that every operator is different and and every manager is going to have a different idea of what the how where the vision should go and all of those things will very likely impact the bottom line and the value of of the, the business as a whole and so i completely agree with you i i i went through this when i was a campground owner. We had our business appraised, and and the appraiser said to me, "I would argue that your uh, you bring a, a value to this operation that not every buyer will well. be able to, to, to do. So it's really difficult to attach a dollar value to that kind of um, commitment. Just not just from an owner, but but from every single one of your staff and and team members and then extending that out to who your partners are, who's your accountant, who's your, where you're getting your legal advice from, all that stuff.
2: Well, and you know, here's, here's a thing that I I would love to share that I think just makes a lot of sense. You know, sometimes as owners or managers, we get so involved in the day to day and I've got to order this or check in these people and you get focused on the mechanics and not the overall lofty goal and my my favorite interpretation of this i I've, for you know better or worse i tend to go to analogies but when you think of the world of marketing and how somebody's going to get to your park, think of it as a dartboard. So the outer rings are going to be all of these things you do. It's a website. It's descriptions. It's photos. It's this ad. It's this banner ad. It's this placement here. And what are you doing? You're telling a story. You're building anticipation in the consumer's eyes of what they will experience when they get there. You're selling an experience, right? And so as the dartboard gets narrower towards the bullseye, the bullseye occurs at check in if your front desk staff is more of a concierge than an order taker, that's tangible value. And when I, when I, what I see a lot of times when somebody's evaluating a property for acquisition, they'll, they'll start thinking of payroll as the first thing that they want to maybe cut. Well, you know, that's not really a good idea because let's face it, if you put yourself in the, in the position of the guest... You, we as we as consumers want to go to a place where we are appreciated and acknowledged for contributing to that business's success. Doesn't mean bow to it. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means acknowledge me, right, as a consumer spending money with your establishment. So if we don't do that in a hospitality business, we failed. And that's why I say the front desk is the bullseye. I would argue that the front desk personnel should be paid far above the replacement wage, right? I mean, some people evaluate things as, well, if the market bears 11 bucks, I'll pay 11 bucks an hour. Well, go above that and find somebody who buys into the culture, who's going to be a good host and appreciate your guest. And that includes things like when they're they're checking in, hey, you must be hungry. You just came off the road. What do you like to eat? Well, we'd like a steak. Please go say hi to our partners down the street at so-and-so steakhouse. Tell them we sent you. You're going to really love those folks. Now, I'm going to go to a place like that every time. It may not even be the best park in the market, but if they're selling an experience and a hospitality thing, I would make the argument again, if you tell the story about what your park is and when the guest checks in, they don't find that or somebody just says, yep, $39.95, have a good night. (laughs) They're processing a transaction. They're not being an outdoor hospitality professional. So my strongest admonishment, pay your front desk staff really well and teach them to be hosts. When you do that, you'll have repeat guests. You'll have positive word of mouth on social media. You'll extend a stay, right? I mean, did you know there's a flower festival coming up on Monday? How about we kick you out for another day so you can experience that? By the way, we got a shuttle to get you to and fro. I'm going to stay another day.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's really interesting because we're seeing this shift to automation, which has so many wonderful outcomes for our business in terms of saving us manpower and all of those things. And a lot of our guests want to want to be able to streamline that process and all of that. But but it is contributing to this feeling of kind of disconnectedness and, and also kind of frees up. I would challenge that operators could free up use that freed up time that we're not answering the phone as much and we're not swiping credit cards and well, whatever, however they do it these days. Um, we're not, we're not spending time doing those things, which I would argue frees up a lot of our personnel to be delivering those kinds of really personable, hospitable, um, connected interactions with your guests. You can all you can give that kind of concierge experience because you don't just have you know a lineup of people waiting to check in one by one anymore um so i, I and i think guests are really valuing it that stuff in this time of self checkouts and automation and all of those things
2: you, you know i completely agree and here's here's something i think to think about too and, and Kara, you, you, you get this. I mean I mean so well because you've been in the trenches. I keep referring to in the trenches. There's no substitute yes. for checking in that guest, doing this. I mean I started off on, on you know as a front desk person and I unclog sewer lines and I was an on-site manager for seven years. So I'm not some guy that sits behind a computer and does spreadsheets all day. I've lived mm-hmm. the life, right? And so that makes a difference when you've actually done this thing. Nothing like real in the trenches experience to get this done. But you know, when when we're thinking about the team and the whole guest experience thing. I I would argue the following. When you think of your team, think not only of your team, of the people that are working with you, not for you, working with you towards your goals with the property, but expand your team to include um, outside vendors in your area. It's, It's what we refer to as selling the zip code. Okay. Because if you're, if you're coming off the road and staying with somebody, yes, your park needs to be well amenitized. It has to have good things that will make them happy while they're there. But, you know, oftentimes that's their base camp and they want to see other things in the area. If you right. expect your team to local businesses... You've just increased your amenity pool by adding a museum, an amusement park, a bowling alley, a steakhouse. It didn't cost you a penny to have that amenity on your property. But by networking relationships with local businesses, you sell the zip code. And to take it a step further, if there's a golf course nearby, do a stay and play weekend. Package the green fees in with a three-night stay. And what do you get? You're kind of being a concierge and a tour director, providing the zip code experience, you know, again, selling the zip code. And when you think about it from those terms, you've just added all these multi million dollars worth of outside businesses to your team. You've just expanded yeah. your team by networking with local businesses. Totally. And it, it, works. It,
0: can, it also motivates the folks around the businesses around you to be excellent and, and, mm. and to. Great, give great experiences. The, the more dollars you're sending their way, the more, the the greater they can be, too. It's it's a really collective, has a really collective impact.
2: Well, and that cross-feeding, too, right, Kara? Because uh, when you're sending business to a local uh, 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 businessman like you, they're trying to make a living. You're trying to make a living. Yeah. Well, when somebody comes yeah. off the road to stay with them that didn't know or to visit their, their establishment that didn't know about your park, well, what's the owner of that business going to do? What are their staff going to do? They're going to say, please go visit that park. They're really good folks. They'll treat you right. So Absolutely. now you've got a referral network on top of everything. I mean, you talk about a no-brainer win all the way and, and carry to your point, if you can automate some of this stuff to free up some of your time as an owner operator or as a manager, use some of that time to network with other vendors in your community, other businesses, build that network, sell the zip code. That, now you've really got a yeah. team. Not just onsite. But off-site.
0: It can also have broader impacts with your county, your municipality, your town, all of those things. Now you're 10 or 15 small businesses working together you have a collective You have a, a, a significant impact on the tax base. you have a, a bigger voice together. all of these it's kind of just that snowball of stuff that is positive for you.
2: And you know what's so fun about that whole thing? What have you done in the process? You're having fun and uplifting the yep. mm-hmm. guest experience. You're doing what your goal in business is: provide a great guest experience, a great place to stay, a wonderful, wonderful experience in your zip code, and you're, you're raising up everybody. It's not only good business, but it's it's kind of what this industry is about, which is working with one another, uplifting all. Right, oh, everybody wow. benefits when we all work together. So why not yeah. be an integral part of your community, big or small, participate. Completely the results different. are tangible.
1: Well, yes. this, is, this is not hard either, right? So there's there's two pieces to this, where we shift back just real quickly and briefly to the employees who are your ears on the ground. And I apologize if I missed this, if you guys covered it, I had to walk away. Instacart showed up and delivered my groceries.
3: Oh, nice.
1: No.
0: Um, it's <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, Automation, so, maybe. But your, but your employees who are hearing what your guests are saying, what kind of outside amenities that they're asking for, what they're looking for, improvements of the campground, whether your rates are good or bad. Like all those things contribute to how can I improve my campground, make it better, and thus increase my revenue, my bottom line, make everybody happy, all those kinds of things. But they'll tell you the same thing about the attractions and vendors that they want as, as part of your outside community. Uh, if you hear comments about, well, oh, I wish you had a miniature golf course and you can go partner with a local miniature golf course, problem solved. Just like Randy said, you don't have to have any investment in that. Yeah. And it's not hard for people to do. I think one of the things we consistently hear all the time, or at least I used to, and it kind of goes to the same reason that, you know, Southeast Publications and AGS make these maps and they have sales people that sell the ads, because a lot of owners are kind of hesitant to get out there in the community and whether that's a, nervous thing or whether it's a time thing or whether it's a, a reason, right, really not hard to go out and meet these people to accomplish goals and partnerships that you want. Like, I mean, last night I was at, uh, Kara, I don't know if you've been to Trolley 9 in Calgary. Uh, yeah,
0: it's called the Superior, Trolley right? 5. It's called so Trolley, Trolley 5. five. Trolley, Trolley
1: 5. Trolley 5.
0: Trolley 5.
1: Trolley 9. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> So, I, I was at this place last week, right? And the person I was with was like, hey, that's Ernie, the owner. He's always on the local news. I recognize him. I'm like, are you sure? Because I'm not from Canada. I don't know who it is, right? And it's and like, yeah, I'm 100% sure that's the owner. Like, And so I'm like, all right, well, let, let me just go introduce myself to this guy. Because I just had a flight of beer, and it's very rare for me to have like five beers in a row that I really, really like, right? As part of a tasting first time I've ever been. <laughs> so I just literally walked to Ernie. He's standing behind the counter shucking oysters or whatever. And I'm like, hey, are you Ernie? Yeah, I'm like, I just want to be a business owner, a business owner, like great place to be here. It's very rare for me to go to a brewery, taste all these great beers, I just wanted to tell you that I appreciate what you're doing. It was a 30 second conversation, walked away, and then he came back over to my table and gave us a free pack of beer to go home with and told us a story about this unique uh, blend that he only makes seasonally every type of year, every, you know, certain times of year and what the story was behind it. But that's how easy it is. It's a 30-second interaction to say, I run a campground down the street from you. We'd love to send guests your way. Business owner, to business owner, let's do a relationship that benefits us both.
0: It's great to know. I just want to note that it takes five beers to turn Brian into the night, that kind of a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, if you want to plug a business, you should use their proper name.
1: <laughs> Listen, I wasn't plugging the business. I was plugging Ernie.
0: Charlie Five and Ernie are fabulous. It's, you know, there's, he's a great example. I definitely agree with Brian. I think of, you know, a a small business owner who who has impact on his community. And that stuff is, that reputational stuff just adds to his great food and his great beer. He's a great guy. And, and, you know, why he's successful.
2: Yeah. And, you you know, when you're talking about networking with local business owners, uh, Brian, to your point, it it doesn't matter so much if you have a body shop, a steakhouse, a campground, whatever it might be. Entrepreneurs are tied by the same kind of spirit, which is if I don't prosper, I'm out of business. If people aren't happy, I'm out of business. If my staff walks, I'm out of business. There's a common vocabulary that's that's absolutely an in integral to that sort of thing so approaching another business owners is i think always well received because they can talk to, <laughs> that you know you know what i'm going through kind of stuff and if that's not an icebreaker nothing is i sweat the mm-hmm. small stuff too mr entrepreneur how can we help each other
0: mm-hmm.
2: there's yeah, a built-in yeah. network already there if you just right. take the time to tap into it yeah
0: no so i,
2: used, about- I care, please,
0: no no i was i was just agreeing <laughs> i I think it's as simple as walking into their storefront or their business, wherever, and having a handshake. And that's well, all it really takes.
1: That literally all, it's all it takes sometimes. Obviously, you're going to have to have a longer conversation sometimes to flesh out partnerships and reciprocal oh, benefits and buy brochures yeah. here and your brochure is there. And how do we work this out, right? But it all starts okay. with that hand. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've talked well, about your employee. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, that's fine. I was just going to say that it all ties back into the team thing, which is kind of what we're talking about here because – you know, again, we all get so busy, right? We've got things we have to do right now that sometimes you kind of get lost in mm-hmm. in, in the minutia without focusing on the macro, on the bigger picture. So, the, the, I, th- I hope the overall takeaway is that your team isn't just you and your professional team, like your accountants, your lawyers, and whatnot, which are absolutely indispensable. I mean, huge, huge part of your success. You've got to
1: excuse Andy. Thing. Don't forget about marketers.
2: Oh, sorry, right. Mark- <laughs> marketers too. <laughs> yeah send you the check. I'm sorry, Uh I I admitted that. (laughs) But but the whole concept (laughs) is, no one's an island. And as a business owner, your first, your inner circle, going back to that bullseye thing, I guess, is is your team. That's your staff, your employees, and what have you. But building your team outside of your property boundaries, right, into the local community, like we're talking about, isn't that another form of team building? You're building a team of of fellow businessmen to everybody's benefit. Nothing wrong with that team.
1: No, and that's why I wanted to, uh, that's where I was kind of shifting the conversation back to the building your team. So we've covered the employees who are your traditional definition of team for most people, right? We've covered getting that to local entrepreneurs and businesses in the community. Walk us a little bit through Randy, because you've been part of or worked with land development developers, real estate. Uh, where does that team start in the very, very, very beginning, as your definition goes, and then how does who's a part of it as you grow even toward opening your door?
2: You know, we go back to the whole team thing again, because, again, vision minus application equals vision. We all have to start with vision. The, what I have seen over the years repeated so often is somebody thinking, I've got to go it alone because I can't afford to hire third party people to help me. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. And, and here's some of the reasons why. Let's say you want to build a park. Well, you can, you can think that you know the market demand and what the rates ought to be and what kind of amenities you can have, and maybe you're right, but you need a second check against you to do that. And so if you engage somebody to do feasibility study for you, the first objection is, well, what if it costs me 15000 bucks to get a feasibility study? Well, what if that feasibility study brings you another site or two into your development that you had anticipated and there's quantifiable revenue from that? Guess what? You just got paid to get a feasibility study. You need absolutely locked down accounting for campgrounds. And this is something I just, you know, I pound my stake in the ground and care. I know I'm going to get an amen, but you know, accounting is not accounting is not accounting. It is not enough to say I made this and spent that. That's a big mistake. You have to really understand the constituent line item components. It's not just revenue. It's what buckets? Daily, weekly, monthly, standard, deluxe, premium, park models, mm-hmm. broken out with occupancy by category. So you can track in real time how the property is performing. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the accounting thing is so vital because if you're doing this well, you're monitoring your PL on a weekly basis and so not a monthly look back. At the end of the month, a look back is a look back. It's saying, well, that's what happened and you can't do anything about it. If you're managing it in real time with live data, you're moving the data.
0: Right. Yes. Which is so vital in a business where we have significant seasonal impact. So not just running 12 months of the year, you have arguably some of our campgrounds up, up here in Canada have 12 weeks. So 12 12 weeks of good, busy, busy time, maybe 16 of operations. So we can't afford to look back at the month. We need to be functionally focused every week on those shifts that need to be happening. Otherwise, got to wait till next year. (laughs)
2: Right. That's exactly right. But, you know, it, and as part of that team thing, it's it's it really, really makes sense that you've got an a, accounting team that understands and speaks the language of campgrounds. So when you're building your team for your acquisition or your management or whatever like that, you, you, it's a mistake to make to think that you can do it all yourself. And it's also a mistake, I think, to view outsourcing to third-party experts as an expense when, in, when it's actually an investment over time. And the ROI is quantifiable. If you're doing the books right and, and have accurate accounting of everything that's been coming in and going out, guess what? You're going to have a better resale value if you have accurate books. Right. You're not going to you're not going to cheat yourself in any way. So and I would also take it one step further because so many people are doing the development thing right now because inventory is scarce. And as as a broker, I will absolutely attest inventory is scarce. So people are looking at development. So put yourself in the seat of the lender. If if I, Randy, go to a lender and say, hey, I've been around for a while. I got some great ideas. Here's a piece of dirt. Will you loan me the money? Number one, outdoor hospitality still isn't readily understood by enough lenders, although that's getting much, much better by the day. Yeah. But now if you're the lender and I come to you and say, hey, this is my vision. It's been independently supported by somebody who wrote a feasibility study. Here's the data to support the conclusions. This is my campground specific accounting person who's assisted me in the preparation of for that we think is attainable. What have I done? I have brought my team, again, returning to team." I brought my accounting third-person independent, my my feasibility person, my marketing team, Brian, there, okay, right?
1: There's your card. in the mail.
3: (laughs) But,
2: But as a lender, are you not going to be more receptive to saying, this is not only a vision or a plan, but there are independent experts who are tacitly endorsing or signing off on saying, we too agree this is viable. Now I as a lender have a far greater comfort level with advancing those funds to get you where you want to be.
1: Same thing with associations, to, to, right? So.
2: Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, no, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I really would love to see a, a focused accounting option for campgrounds here in, in Canada. Um, I know when I first hired my accountant, who I came to really rely on, um, mm-hmm she she had never worked the campground before and so it took a lot of uh partnership and 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 chatting things out together to really and and to be honest a couple years of strategizing stuff and figuring things out but um you know she she ended up being a really vital part of you know saving me money tax-wise and you know making suggestions for um bookkeeping strategies that would you know help me use those weekly reports better and and those kinds of things. So I, I think it's vital. I really would love to see more options up here specifically.
2: Yeah, and you know, uh, I totally agree, Kara, and not to belabor it too much, but when, again, you think in a universal, you're making guests happy with your on-site team, and that generates what? It generates revenue. At some point, you're going to be a seller, unless you're passing it down to your heirs. If you're going to be a seller at some point with your exit strategy in mind for when you want to exit, what does that come down to? Numbers. So in the center hub of this whole wheel of what we do, yes, we focus on guest experience, providing good time, being a good base camp and what have you like that, translates to numbers. When you go to sell, comes back to numbers, right? So if your numbers are not locked down in campground specific language with campground specific uh, verification of what these revenue streams are and how you track them, you can't just throw in the buck and say, I made this and spent that. You're hurting yeah. yourself.
0: No, I could could not agree more. And I think even if your strategy now today is to leave your business to your heirs, <laughs> that could change <laughs> on a moment's notice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so getting those practices in place for a long term kind of display of, of how your business has functioned is incredibly valuable, regardless of what you think is going to happen.
2: Right. Makes you a better day to day operator, let alone a better seller that when you really understand your math and watch it on a weekly basis and can shift and adapt on the on the fly and pivot uh, accordingly. You're just a better operator anyway. And when you're doing that, guess what? Better numbers when it's time to sell or pass on to your heirs, stronger operating property. So it's just good business practice to get into seller ready financials is what, what we refer to them as, as in trailing 12 months of uh, performance, broken down by categories, income and expenses, trap tracking, capital improvements versus repair and maintenance. There's a thousand nuances as we know to the whole thing, but man, when you talk about team, if it was me, my center of the dartboard is going to be accounting. I'm going to start with that and build outward from the center, because without that, everything else you've done is kind of for naught.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think I don't. We don't want to get too far down the accounting rabbit hole, because as you said, there's thousands of different. and I think it's very clear that we probably need to do a separate show.
3: <laughs> uh, we, um, either one
1: or more industry-specific accounting people, there are yeah. some vendors and suppliers out there, and. And maybe we have Randy back on to kind of go back and forth yeah. with that and just kind of talk about some of that stuff. But uh, accounting is definitely a huge piece of that center of the bullseye, like you're saying. But what else are we talking about here from, like, the breaking ground of the shovel if you're developing or for the first time you take possession of those keys? Well,
0: I think I, I don't know if I... Uh, I'm going backwards here, but I do want to say I think it's valuable to consider association membership as as another arm of your team uh, from development purchase right up until sale. There are resources and and networking tools and and uh, things available to you via your association that that can really uh, impact your business. in a positive way, including, you know, I've spent hours and hours of my life lately chatting with investment groups and developers who are anxious to get into the industry, who want to become members and don't even own parks yet. Uh, Those guys see that, that there's value in, in paying attention to what the industry associations are doing. Right.
1: Wow. Yeah, and there's so many different values to those, right? Because yep. it just, I mean, we're talking about, Carrie, you were CCRVC, the Canadian Camping and RV Council, down here in the States. So ARVIC is a uh, national association, but there are benefits yep. national and state associations, too, because you're tackling different issues. You know, California might be tackling California, or Texas may be tackling Texas. So ARVIC's in D.C., or CCRVC's in uh, Ottawa, right? It's Ottawa?
0: I'm well, so CCRVC is... <laughs> is set up a little bit differently so all of our provincial associations are members of the national association and then our national association really provides support to to each of the provincial associations some of which are are really prolific and have large membership and staff of their own and and so they can handle stuff pretty good but we do often at the national level um provide quite focused support not only provincially but often regional regionally and and things like that to to members so um we are not just focused on the, the broad national. kind of national thing we we really focus on on making sure we're providing services to members regardless where they are uh, whenever they need it so um, and and I don't I'm not familiar specifically with Arvix's kind of model but but here it's, it's certainly in Ottawa we focus a lot of our energy in our in our nation's capital um, chatting lots of politicians and doing lots of advocacy work to ensure that um, our industry both um, enhances its abilities for success but then maintains that long term And and a lot of that comes down to Policy and regulatory stuff, and, and so we work hard to impact that.
2: Yeah, well, without a doubt. And to, to both of your points, and um, shameless plug, I guess I was on the Camp Cal Now board for a dozen up years. So. To talk about it. What's yeah. that?
1: I was just going to bring that up and ask you to talk about it. mistake <laughs> you the president. Go, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it was well. Firstly, it was such a pleasure and an honor to work on that board for as long as I did because it's. Uh, You know, the great thing about this industry is when when people give back freely of their time because they care about the industry, that's a fun group to be a part of. And and the board has always been great about that with Camp Cal now and is to Kara's point, and I think is an incredibly valuable one. If I was going to build something in the state of California, I'd be talking to Diana Kelly because mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. developers, consultants, feasibility people, whatnot like that might miss something. But the state association is marshalling all of the right resources from the people who are actually shaping things happening in that state where you oh, want that. to build that park. And mm-hmm. when you can drill into specifics and tap that kind of advocacy and expertise, you can really avoid a ton of mistakes. And that mm-hmm. I, I literally could, could cost you you everything. If, I mean, properly permitting your sewer connections and being a a permitted campground able to operate lawfully, that's been an issue sometimes in California and other places as well. But the whole point being, when, when you can, again, leverage yourself and make as part of your team... People with expertise in their state, with their laws, as they impact your particular park, whether existing or being developed, you really have to leverage those assets absolutely. And so, I, I would argue that being being a member of your to Kara's point as well, be, being a part of your association, whether it be state or national or both, that's a great part of your team as well because that's a great cross check. The state will often know today what's happening that will impact you tomorrow before anybody else will in the industry. They're bird-dogging that. That's what they do.
1: Mm.
2: Huge, huge, huge part of the equation. Big believer in the associations. Absolutely.
1: So we've got feasibility. We've got accounting. We've got associations. And then we're going to talk briefly about some of the uh, the other areas that I want to dive into for suppliers and and team members in that regard. But I think there's a difference here that probably Randy, you and I both share an opinion on. Um, and there are certain vendors that have it, certain that don't. We're not certainly not going to name names or say who we think is better. Than, or right, there's there's some no place for that on shows like this for money. But you will notice that as you as you start to work with people in this industry, there are people who will be that vendor or supplier in that specific niche or area for you. But then right. you have those people who will do that and also talk about things that they've come across or in conversations with owner. Um, you know, maybe you're you're talking to an accountant who deals with fifty parts, and of those fifty parts, thirty of them use X reservation software. And so they can recommend that one and say that they're confident it's easy to use and team members can be trained on it. And just the willingness to share knowledge outside of the scope, experience and willingness to be helpful is something that really you truly should treasure, right, Randy?
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and I know we've shared a couple conversations about that, Brian. And one of the things that, I mean, I've been involved in several different industries over a very long career, (laughs) but what's so unique about this industry, I think, is People genuinely want to help one another and share knowledge and share information. Nobody's hoarding information. We all want to give freely of what we've learned and experienced. We want other people to benefit from what we've learned. That's one of the great give backs in this industry is that whole kind of spirit of cooperation. You know, on on shows like this, on the the American Glamping Association calls and, and whatnot like that, when people are basically there to share what they've learned, they're not trying to put down this vendor or elevate this vendor they're merely sharing an experience that helps build you know kind of a, a, a this knowledge this database that helps everybody right and because everybody is so cooperative and not competitive yeah we all want to win but we want everybody else to win too that's what's so unique about this industry so uh, over time uh, you know you, there's there are some vendors let's face it and again no names some rise to the top more readily than others because they understand not only do I have to make a living, I also have to do things right. I have to honor my commitments. I have to be there for my customer. I have to provide that service on a routine, regular basis. I have to be reliable. They have to be able to trust me. The ones that can do that enjoy longevity in the industry, and they're a magnet for people who are looking for, well, what do you know about this company? Well, if your reputation is they're a go-to, you build you, again you're building your team with through vendor alliances with folks who are trusted and have proven so over the course of time
1: well it's just like building your employees at a park right like when you're interviewing employees and decide who to hire and who not to hire or who to fire and who to replace or whatever you want to talk about or right? who to retain long term you're looking at we've talked about it and covered it their interactions with their guests their attitude what skill set they bring are they willing to learn and expand that skill set are they willing to share their knowledge In other areas, it's the same thing when you're evaluating vendors or suppliers for your part, too. Um, Absolutely. People who stay in their lane and who do their vendor and supplier, whatever their role is, their company and the service or product they provide, very, very well. Uh, And there may be nothing wrong with them. But if you can find somebody who does that and, then that's a better team member who you want to keep around long term, who maybe just like an employee you would give a raise to more frequently, right? the equivalent to that is, is that long-term partnership
0: it's another yeah. valuable part of being a part of the association because you can regularly network with other operators hey who's your lamping tent provider and why do you like them um you know who, who do you do all your marketing through and why do you like them there's there's great opportunity for quick and easy networking in those those uh association relationships right.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you own or operate a business or if you're just, you know, conducting commerce as an individual outside the business realm, you want to do business with somebody that you trust and you believe. You don't want to do business with somebody who may be there tomorrow or may have just come into the industry because it's the Mm -hmm. greatest, hottest new thing and I'm going to make my money and, you know, Mm -hmm. hit it while it's hot type of thing. Fine. I mean, a lot of people will do that. I get it. I understand that. But Mm -hmm. The people who have what what I refer to as the care gene, right? You either have it or you don't. You either care about what you do. You care about the people you do business with. You care about keeping and retaining your customers. You either have the care gene or you don't. Take the business model aside, how profitable you are. Do I feel like I can trust this, this vendor as part of my team? Those, in my estimation, over the one hundred and seventy five years, I've been in the business, I guess now. <laughs> you, you just you, you kind of come to the point where you have to rely and trust somebody. Do I believe in that vendor? Then they're a part of your team, to your point, Brian. A it's huge very part.
1: Easy to discern this, right? Very easy to discern the people who have that care gene. It seems like it's hard or it's difficult, but uh, at least for me, I, I think it's really, really easy to spot these people because they stand out like, as a bright, right. the,
0: the best part about it is, you can change your mind. <laughs> Someone else who has more integrity, or is more trustworthy, or whatever else might show up. And because you have business autonomy, and the ability to make make your own choices, mm-hmm. you can change your mind, you can switch to somebody else. And, and, again, that speak then to the value of staying on top of stuff, paying attention to what competitors are doing, paying attention to what products are available from those suppliers. Maybe somebody comes out with something new and you're with you've been with these guys for ten years and but you don't know about the new stuff because you didn't pay attention. Like there's yeah. there's staying well, well, of, is valuable.
1: One of the best things I ever heard as it relates to employees is hiring is guessing. Firing yep. is going knowing yeah. so it's the same thing when you get to suppliers and vendors right hiring as a guest and you're going to grow that relationship and you're going to determine whether they have that care gene or their goal above and beyond or they suit your needs or whatever you want from them mm-hmm. and then you can decide do i continue to hire them and keep them around or do i replace them with someone else who i've met and can do a better job
0: yeah we can speak with our dollars always
2: oh yeah absolutely yeah. You know I have to I have to share in my little uh, uh, pet peeve department, if you will, one of the <laughs> ways that I can really tell if somebody's engaged in what they're doing or if they're just a hired participant, if I hear the words no problem, I blow a gasket. <laughs> in, right? If, if you're checking into a uh, into your part and you have a front desk person who to whom the customer says, well, thanks a lot and and your your front desk personnel says no problem. Well, what is oh, no. providing a service could have been a problem for you. Can we talk about that? If, however, <laughs> they say it's my pleasure, is there anything else I can do for you? They're an engaged person as part of the process. It's no different than with vendors, by the way. I'm ordering three thousand dollars worth of this. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Well, what 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 could have been a problem about offering your service? <laughs> Help me yeah. out here. If you say it's my pleasure, I mean, I'm happy to
1: speculate so, on that. I have a really imaginative path I can take down as Karen knows that we can oh, create problems and areas. But go ahead, Randy. We should
2: probably focus on <laughs> Oh, no, 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 There's no need to do that. I've been bloviating long enough. No. Well,
0: that, that, I, I have to say, I think it's incredibly important that you bring this up because I, I think we can get into that repetitive um, kind of corner we're painting ourselves into where you're kind of robotically checking someone in and, yeah, no problem. And you don't even think about it, but but people do pay attention to language and body language and and how you're interacting with them, and and that stuff can have a big impact too. That's it's small things like that, you know, are incredibly valuable in team training and and stuff like that to to just bring up and make them be conscious of.
1: Yeah, it goes back to the culture too, right? Yeah. So so you're talking about wanting there, wanting to come to work, enjoying it, having a smile on your faces. Is- is not just how you make uh, it's it's what that culture like. Let me put I'll put Daryl on the spot because he's been kind of quiet here, right? And, yeah, and Make that sure. fire on me horribly, but Daryl's <laughs> been working. How long has been working Daryl now? Two months.
3: About three, yeah.
1: About three. So, what mm-hmm. what's your perception of the culture of modern campground?
3: Oh, great. Um, well, modern campground literally just started, right? Ryan, so,
0: plug your here, so he doesn't have to make a biased answer. <laughs>
1: Oh. <laughs> really like we're we'll not researching. You can say whatever you want, Daryl. It's fine. Like no, I want you no. to be honest, but but give your perspective. So, modern Campground literally just
3: started. <laughs> it literally just started. So I feel like we are we're building the culture of modern campground. I'm part of you know, I'm part of one of the people that start to build the culture of it. So <clears throat> And, and we want to build it right we kind of want to build it on the heels or, or right beside um, your other company Brian insider perks which has already is already has an already established culture mm-hmm. and we kind of want to and we kind of want to rub off that you know so we want to keep that positive um, mental attitude we want to that care gene that Randy has been talking about that is super super important that is Absolutely important, and and we try to find that with the people that we hire and the people that write for us and the people that they really care about about um, about campground owners and about the associations that are that are about uh, that are in there and 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 RV park owners as well and basically all the news that come in. So we're building a culture of care, which is very very important. You know, um, we want to build on that. As we grow continuously, um, with Brian's guidance and assistance and wisdom. So
0: well, um, that feels like sucking up. Yeah,
1: that, that yeah. Kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting a bonus for that, but seriously, so like it's it's that, but it's also the, the trivia that we play every single one. Like right, right. It's the trivia games, it's the laughing, it's the it's gifts the banter, yeah, it's the jokes that we tell, it's the... Right, right. Uh, what was I talking about last night? I was posting the Ted Lasso gifts. If Have you haven't seen Ted Lasso, it's on Apple TV, fantastic show about a soccer coach. But anyway, oh. uh, uh, the thing in the beginning, right? A crazy dance party with his team, and it's just, it's it's laughing together, it's smiling, right. showing them that you appreciate, that you're willing to, to borrow from Randy, to get into the trenches with them, and, and to be a, a part of them. Right. Not boss. I work for you, Daryl. I work for everybody who's on my oh, team. Oh, that's true. Me,
3: right? And I work for everybody that writes under me. So okay, that's kind of what like I, I will know. say.
0: You do complain about it a lot. <laughs> every time I <laughs> Brian, every <laughs> time I ask him to do something, he's got some sort of issue that's with because
1: it. Because I enjoy seeing like the, the back and forth and pull and tug with you. But he's you know. basically yeah. <laughs> um, I figured that You're out. You're very serious. demanding, just to be clear. You have, you, because you always want to push that association forward and do things that no one else is doing, which I think is fantastic and amazing. And I love being asked that, but I only have to push time in the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm bugging you. Listen, <laughs> I, I, my point and was, i also mostly
1: complimenting that, you, is what I'm saying. Like it, it yeah, you know.
0: I appreciate it. I, my point was mostly just that I agree with you. You do get in the trenches and, 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 jokingly complain about it or whatever um and and that's appreciative (laughs) i'm a i'm very appreciative of it um but i think that's how or why companies like yours have risen to the top right you can you know sit all weekend and rebuild my web pages (laughs) whatever (laughs) you know everybody's gonna do that
2: you know, I, I got to say, I mean, the, the culture thing is one of the, oh my God. I mean, it, it is, it's paramount, right? So true story, Horizon, then Horizon RV Resorts, later Horizon Outdoor Hospitality, now Horizon Outdoors began at a Burger King in Gila Band, Arizona. I was sitting hey. with uh, Beverly <laughs> Johnson and her husband, Jeff, and we were talking about what this management ought to management company ought to be. We did not begin with pricing. We did not begin with services. We began with what is the company we want to be? What is our vision for the ethics of this company? What are our founding principles? Do we, how, how do we want to be perceived by our employees? We began with that. Without the culture, nothing else stands. That's the foundation upon which everything is built. Every decision you make, every vendor you engage, every every employee you retain, every decision that you have to come across in your business, who, you are, who are you as a person? Are you reflecting that culture outward? Are you attracting people who embrace that culture? For me, any business that's starting out should begin with that. More than what can I sell it for? How many people will be there? What is the culture of me as a business? What is my identity? That I want to surround myself with who understand the culture and the values that we have. And right. we have the saying at Verizon for many years, Scott, and I would talk about it many times. The culture of the company is never for sale. Ever. It's never compromised. Come what right. may, we lose or draw financially. The culture is mm-hmm. not for sale. We will not compromise who we are and how we do business. Period. Ever. It's, End of story.
0: Yeah. I mean it's, it's directly it's, tied terrible. to your yeah, it's directly tied to your level of integrity, which going back to that valuation of your business is arguably one of the top things that make your business valuable, but isn't countable. It's it, trading right. it and, and sacrificing it isn't valuable because it's not countable. <laughs> um, it's it's just a fundamental thing to, to really value your integrity and, and um, I I personally really, really value it. Um, So that's why I respect all the gentlemen here.
2: The funny thing is, without the culture, there's nothing to count because you're out of business.
0: business? (laughs) Agreed.
2: What's next, Brian? Yeah, Brian. I think you he's
0: frozen. <laughs> it's frozen. You look
3: like a wax painting, oh. Brian.
0: Yeah, wax here.
2: Our oh. tech wizard has a frozen screen.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, I guess yeah. I'll ask you. Um, sure. You know, I'm excited for uh, to see United Park Brokers uh, uh, growing and, and doing so well. Right. Um and I know we haven't really talked much about it this episode. And maybe maybe Brian didn't want to, but I just wanted to ask you about right. United Park Brokers and and give our audience a little mm-hmm. kind of rundown and spiel about it um, before the show is over.
2: Right. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, um, yeah, United Park Brokers kind of comes out of being in the industry for so long as you know, managing properties and and doing feasibility stuff and whatnot. You you kind of get a feel and a rhythm for how these things operate to transpire, right? And so the whole idea right. with UPB was to take kind of that same horizon, culture, if you will, about doing things right and honorably and honoring your words and caring about your customers. It's no different in the brokerage world. It could be a large okay. transaction, small one. You have to treat parties with respect. You have to value confidentiality. If you don't earn the respect and trust of your clients, you're not selling anything. And I prefer to say we've never sold anything. What we've done is presented <laughs> opportunities for consideration. We're not yapping away and sending pretty pictures of this and oh my god, you better buy it. Playing sales games, basically, like we're an interpreter and we're presenting opportunities for your evaluation. Guess what? It seems to work, and it just yeah. goes back to again culture. How do you how do you how would you want to be treated? That's that's what we do, and so yeah, we're very excited. We're moving into Canada. Uh, we're going to be at a.
3: Proud
2: <laughs> And everything I've understood of the Canadian market via CARA and a few other individuals with whom I've connected up there seems to be that uh, Canada is on the cusp and it's a wildfire getting ready to go and we want to be a part of that. And it just occurred to us that as a brokerage, if we could expand beyond just selling stuff and help new owners understand what is this outdoor hospitality business. And here are some vendors with whom you, you should probably align and be part of their success team to get them off to a fast start. That's a better way to conduct business about selling parks, right? If you can actively care about their success and provide resources to them to be successful in a new endeavor, again, it's never about cashing the biggest checks. It's about providing the yeah. best service for the most people and sharing some industry knowledge. And that's just a joy. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, no, I have to say I'm incredibly excited to, to see UPB. Uh, join us and and uh, help to continue to grow grow things up here in Canada. We certainly have some site inventory issues. So, um, mm. you know, adding some new parks would be incredibly valuable for, for our industry up here. I know there's a ton of appetite to do that. Um, so I'm excited to see those kinds of things, projects and things happening. Um, but uh, again, you know, I just, I think United Park Brokers is a great example of a really Um, wonderful partnership with tons of integrity and, and, you know, connecting with operators is going to be incredibly valuable.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that, Kara. Thank you. And, you know, it is really a punctuation point in the entire conversation, these and many more, which is this industry legitimately cares about each other doing well and wants to be helpful and what a great industry to be in. Right. I mean, not everybody's out to get everybody else. It's all about, I learned this and I want to share that. Who'd want to be in any other industry? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, completely agree. I, agree. I couldn't couldn't say more. Brian, we lost you. You're back.
1: I know. I'm sorry. I forgot to plug in my laptop, so that I got. It. I'm having all kinds of disasters today.
0: Oh, <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, like mm-hmm. I, I think, and, and I, I think, unless somebody else has anything to add, I think we really kind of wrapped up this whole building your team thing together. Right. Um, we've gone from you know the, the traditional. Definition of your employees on, on the campground and things like that, who are contributing to your success, to um, the accounting team, which is Randy's bullseye, to the feasibility studies, to marketing, to uh, your suppliers and your vendors, to your association that cares as a part of CCRBC, and of course your state and provincial associations as well. Yeah. Uh, just considering like, everybody who helps you along that journey, however small or however large that step may be in your journey, is part of your team. Right value them and treasure and treat them as equals, the better all the things will be for life and in business, I feel like. That's right.
0: Well, you need to be willing to, like Randy said, invest in them uh, Mm. as well. And that's, that's incredibly valuable. Seeing, seeing the value that they'll bring to your business. And, and, you know, correlating that with an investment that really does give you a great ROI. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
2: It's- it really does. And, and again, you know, business can be so simple if you let it be. You can overcomplicate right. it with multiple layers. But does somebody believe in the value that I provide? Do they believe me when I tell them something? Do I believe them? It, mm-hmm. uh, respect is free. It's given or granted. Right. And it's, it's done through deeds, not words. You can say everything you want, but the deeds are what proves that out. But how simple is it just to conduct yourself well and honestly and do business the right way and respect the other people that you work with and work for as as a team it really can be that simple yeah. you know it really yeah. can when you over complicate it and try to outsmart it or become something outside of that those people kind of rise and fall mm-hmm. you know it's just yeah. it's just the truth it really is simple when you break it right down be respectful do things honestly you'll survive okay.
0: simple.
1: simple yep honestly, it is I agree. Absolutely. We're a couple minutes over, Rudy. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, I think we're going to have Mr. Hendrickson, who's going to join us going forward once a month on our open discussion show. Is That yes, right, Randy? Please.
2: As long yeah. as the checks clear. Yeah, as long as the checks clear. Sure, Brian. Yeah. Uh, as
3: long
1: as it's clear. Got that. Right. We mentioned United Park Rovers once in a while. Um, yeah. by all out. means. But super excited to have Randy be a part of that. Uh, I think we're going to be joined by a couple other people too here as well that you'll see a, as a regular part of our open discussion show. come up, still so solidifying some that we just want to have that kind of core group of people uh in addition to obviously daryl and Kara and myself and so super excited for that um really appreciate you guys watching another episode of mc fireside cats uh next week have what Kara?
0: oh my goodness Uh, so on the spot oh the glamping show Show. david course joining (laughs) us from glamping show usa um with some really really cool guests uh, they have their show coming up in, in October and, and I'm really excited to hear all about it. I, I think there's, sounds like there's going to be tons of, uh, vendors and product on display and all kinds mm-hmm. of cool stuff there. So, uh, yeah, like
1: we, we, yeah, we've got David bringing on some of his speakers right. and we've yep. got a couple of his vendors and so we're going to do glamping as a whole, maybe even on a little bit of an international basis now mm. that Modern Campground, we- uh, you Backed by here, and that we're covering glamping all across the globe. Right on. Uh, we were going to. Oh, supposed to. Place with right. restrictions and COVID things in the Philippines. Uh, we're going to have to
3: move doing. that. So.
1: We got to <laughs> wrap up this show. I feel like we've all got things to do, and we could talk forever to each other. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we will see you next week on a glamping show. We'll see Mr. Hendrickson again here at the beginning of whatever month we're in October. October. Uh, October. <laughs> better now. And, and really appreciate you guys watching another episode we will see you all next week
0: see you guys thanks guys
2: thank you it's been a pleasure thanks
0: thanks for watching this episode of mc fireside chats hosted by brian searle and kara sismadia have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode email us at hello at moderncampground.com. join us next week for another episode And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.